0: brought to you by exodus trail cameras the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation and now here's your nine fingered host dan johnson all right everybody welcome back to the nine finger chronicles podcast brought to you by exodus trail cameras and real quick i'm going to do this real quick exodus trail cameras kick-ass company ran by kick-ass people and it's a kick-ass product and you can buy this kick-ass product if you go and visit exodusoutdoorgear.com and if you enter the discount code nine fingers that's the number nine followed by the word fingers you will receive twenty dollars off of your purchase i'm keeping the intro short today because i want to (laughs) Today, we're going to be talking with a gentleman named Dan Keller. He is a CPA out of Pennsylvania, and today, the topic is taxes, and if you're a landowner, how you can save taxes, save on taxes when you buy your property, sell your property, or potentially gift that property to somebody else. So, without further ado, here's today's podcast with Dan Keller. Alright everybody, I am here with Daniel Keller. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, how are you? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Now, I don't even know how to really transition. Like, you know, typically I say, hey man, how are you doing? What are you doing for, you know, what do you do for a living? Where are you fl- from? Blah, 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 you know, uh, a little BS. But we're going to talk about what you do uh, for a job and how it can actually help hunters who would love to buy land buy land and some of the uh some tips and tricks and information that we should all know when going out and buying that land um or you know planning for that land so first off i think what i want to do is just ask you how did your 2017 hunting season go
1: uh first off first i want to thank you I, i think you what you do and uh, some of these other young guys getting into the industry, like Mark Kenyon and uh, the Land of Legacy guys, um, Adam and Matt, you guys are awesome. You know, you guys, I think, represent the hunting community in just the perfect way. It's not about killing that big buck. That big buck's kind of tearing on top, and it's all about the stories and the camaraderie, and I love that you guys do that, and I want to thank you for awesome. all
0: that. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, I tell you what, we love doing it. So as long as uh there's guys like us out there and we have stories to tell and and all that, uh I think uh we have uh we have enough content to keep everybody busy.
1: Yeah, I do, and I think you guys are the future and uh I'm excited for that. Perfect. perfect. So my twenty eighteen or twenty seventeen I guess was kind of a, a bust. I don't I'm kind of a weekend warrior. I don't get out as much as I'd like. I took my rut vacation, the weather was perfect, uh hunted morning night for a week straight and nothing. Uh I missed. Shot right over probably a nice three year old's back. So and where do you live? That what sums state? it up. I'm in Pennsylvania. I live in Pittsburgh. I do a lot of my hunting in northeast up in uh the northeast Pennsylvania, so Crawford County gotcha. uh, area. And uh it's tough hunting, you know, it's not the Midwest, but I love it. Nowhere else I'd rather hunt. Um but, yeah, man, it's uh, it's an area you got to take your uh, whoopings and, yeah. you know, yeah.
0: keep now, getting after now, it. Now, is Crawford County pretty close to Philly, or is that further north?
1: No, we're, we're I'm north, I guess northwest. You're uh, kind of at smokestack up by Lake Erie. That'd be uh, where I'd spend a lot of my time in outdoors.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah, and, you know, I've had several people on this podcast who are from Pennsylvania and you know every time i talk to somebody from philly it you know i hear the words like tough it's tough you know pressure all, all these things and and if a guy can get out there and be consistent when they're talking about the state that they hunt in like that man that's uh that's a good thing so how from being from pennsylvania in a, a quote unquote tough state how has your success been over the years
1: it's been I measure my success, I guess, in maybe opportunities I've had, which I've yeah. blown a lot of them. So, uh, you know, I, I had a good run maybe a decade ago and I had actually, I was living in Buffalo New York, for probably about three or four years. So I did a lot of public hunting up there. That was, that was tough. But, uh, you know, since I moved back, I had, I haven't been able to tag my buck. I'm pretty selective. I'm not, you know, I'm definitely looking for a three year old. Um, you know, I got enough two year olds on the wall. So, uh, I would say I have not met the level of success that I like, but you know what? Every year I get an opportunity, and uh, you know, this year I shot right over one's back, and uh, that's how it goes
0: sometime, I guess. Yeah, man, I shot over a. I shot shot over a pretty big eight pointer this year, and uh, I I was pretty bummed. But you know, I then realized that yes, it sucks to miss, but at the same time. Uh, that experience right there, just being that close to a mature whitetail, is 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 a success all in its own.
1: Oh, and uh, you know, when you're in a state like Pennsylvania, I always view it. A lot of times, as, like you get one chance a year. I always yeah. feel, um, especially as much as I get out, where you know you're a weekend warrior, maybe one you got your one week rut vacation. So, if I get that one opportunity, it was a good year if I capitalized, it was even better here. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get into, uh, what, what you do for a living. And, and we're going to talk about how that, um, relates to hunting and land and all that stuff, but tell everybody, what do you do for a living and tell us about, I guess, what some of your daily weekly responsibilities are.
1: Well, I'm a CPA uh, here in Pittsburgh, and uh, my expertise is mostly, it's pretty much everything taxed, but uh, usually I'm very focused on the personal side of it. Um, you know, I got clients all over the country. I've been, that's pretty much my quote unquote day job. I spend a lot of time just working on just tax returns for people everywhere, uh, different situations, and, um, but as hunting's always been an interest to me and I think I speak for almost every hunter is they want to own a bunch of land someday and that's the the dream. That's why we get up. That's why we go to work. I, I started getting into the taxation related to buying, selling land, um, end of life situations where you're getting ready to hand it off to your kids or your heirs or donate it to charity and, and that stuff really interested me. So I've kinda of, the last couple of years uh, uh you know, kind of just a specialty when someone asks, i like to be the go-to on that. And, you know, I've helped some people out. And uh, it is, It's truly one of those things that I really like to do. Uh, waking up every day, doing a tax return isn't fun per se, but when I get to help a hunter, uh, save some money so they can put it back in their land, that's always a good day.
0: Good. Good deal. All right, so let's talk a little bit about that then. For you know like you said it's a dream of mine to someday own land right now i've I've talked to real estate agents uh before and they've yep. come on and they've you know said their piece about planning and and all that stuff but from from your point of view, what is the first step to let's say I know i want to buy land whether i am f- financially, you know, whether I have the finances to do it right now or not, what are some of the things that I should plan for or be looking at, uh, preparing for um, to, in order to do that and take that next
1: step? Well, I think, I think any realtor would tell you, you know, you got to have a good down payment, um, especially if it's not going to be your primary residence where you can get, you know, a much bigger loan, not as much down payment, um, if it's just going to be a piece of land, maybe with a little cabin on it, it can be tougher to get financing. Um, that's So So I would advise people, you know, make sure your credit's good. Get that up there uh, and try and save as much as you can. If you can get up to that 20%, 25%, now you're in a ballpark that you can actually pull this off um, without maybe taking out another mortgage on your primary residence. Or, uh, so that would be the steps I would take before purchasing. Okay, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I mean, th- there's probably some other things you can do in terms of, you know, shopping for a loan, not really my area of expertise, but right, right. Uh, I, I think a realtor would be a good person to ask for that.
0: Gotcha. Now, what about taxes? Like before, like, is there anything you have to do in advance as far as taxes are concerned to make sure, that that may help you along with in that process?
1: I don't know about beforehand. I mean, obviously you want to have uh, good rep- record keeping, especially if you're a business owner and someone like you who has a side gig and running a podcast and websites, you know, definitely make sure you're keeping accurate records. Uh, <laughs> you know, I laugh all the time. I have people, they don't ever want to pay taxes. You know, they're always trying to, beg me to get their expenses down and usually i'll let them get aggressive maybe not too aggressive but but then the time comes when they go to get a loan and the bank says well you only made this much money and they said well i made more than that well you can't have it both ways yeah. either you made so if you're you know be truthful on your taxes but also keep that in mind is when you're going to buy something and you need to show that you have more income you better be able to show that so don't get too aggressive sometimes it could be bad
0: right okay now in regards to buying land all right you've you know we we do the whole realtor thing and we 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 find the piece of property that we want we have the down payment we we get the land it's ours And you mentioned something before we started recording that I wanted to bring up again, and that was setting your basis. Now, why don't you tell us what that is?
1: That is number one thing you should do when you buy a piece of land. Everybody's like, "Yeah, you know, I'm going to put a food pot and I'm going to do this. Uh, Set your basis. It is vital. Um, So let me explain and I'll give a little example as I'm going to this, what we need to do when you buy this, first let me back up a little bit. When you, when you decide you're going to spend, let's say a hundred grand on a piece of land, um, even though we're using this for personal reasons, uh, a lot of times hunting recreational, you know, it's a hundred grand. I mean, it's an investment. It's not, it's not play money. This is, so you need to treat it like an investment. So when you have that investment, you have to figure out what your basis is in it, and usually it's what you pay. So if you pay a hundred grand for your, your property, your basis is hundred thousand dollars. But here's the question I always have for clients: is do you have it allocated? Do you have it allocated amongst what you bought? So I live in the Northeast uh, timber country. Um, what's your timber worth? And what, if there, is there a cabin on that? What's your, what's the cabin worth? So let's, I, I can give you an example. So what you're going to want to do is you want to, you want to have these items appraised. So you're going to want to have a forester come in and you're going to walk them along the land you just bought and say, Hey, how much is all my timber worth? If I were to clear cut this, how much could I get? And let's say they say 60,000 bucks. You bought the land for a hundred, so you're feeling pretty good about this. So then you bring in an appraiser or a realtor and say, you know, what's my little cattle worth if it was just on half acre in this neighborhood? And they might say, oh, that's worth uh, 12 grand. And then you ask the realtor, you know, if I clear cut all this woods and it was just junk woods, clear cut, brush, what, you know, the least valuable land out there least valuable earth out there what's what's that land worth and let's say in this uh, example they say it's worth 48,000 bucks you could get for your land well if you had all those separate things that you just allocated out and uh, I just gave an example the 60 for the timber 12 for the building 48 for the land you'd come up with a total value of 120 but you got it for a hundred thousand bucks so you have to make a calculation of what what is my timber worth? So with the example I just gave, the sixty thousand of the total one twenty would be fifty percent. So you would take your what you paid for the land originally, a hundred thousand, and multiply it by fifty, and that's your value in the timber. So your value in your timber is fifty grand, even though your forester might say it's worth sixty. And then you keep going through the twelve thousand of one twenty would be ten percent. So your building would be worth or I'm sorry, uh ten grand, yeah. And uh, you know, forty eight thousand dollars of land, the clear cut land would be worth uh of one twenty would be forty percent. So your your building would be worth uh forty grand. So so you got ten for the building, forty for the land and fifty in the timber. Do you follow? Somewhat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize, but I think it'll make more sense as we go. So, cause you're probably thinking, why do this? I don't care. Right. Exactly. Why do we need to do this? So all the time, this happens once a year. I get somebody calls me up. They bought land a decade ago and they say, Hey, I just got 30 grand in proceeds from selling timber how much do I owe in taxes? And I asked, well, what's your basis in a timber? And they say, I don't know. And 10 years down the road, you know, you can't go back and set basis in timber at that point. You might be, you know, timbers are increased in value. Trees have grown up. Um, so I end up saying, well, you got to pay tax on all 30 grand. But let's, if we go back to our example, and let's say you meet with a forester and you're, you're going to, you know, uh, I guess what it's word I want to say, you want to cut down some trees, send it out. You want to open up the canopy, get some sunlight hitting the ground. Um, so you and your forester say you're going to take 25% of the timber. Okay. And, and you get this documented by your forester that you're taking approximately 25% of the total timber. And he cuts it down. So, but let's say a few years have passed and now that he, that 25% timber is now worth 17 grand he's gonna give you for it. Well, you get to use 25% of your basis in that timber. So 25% of 50 grand is 12,500. So instead of paying tax on all 17 grand that he's giving you for this timber, you only have to pay tax on the difference between 17 grand and 12500 which is 4500 bucks. Okay. And at a 15% tax rate, you're only going to pay $675 in tax. If you don't set your basis, you're going to have to pay tax on all 17000 and you're going to owe almost $1,900 in tax. So that instantly saves you $1,200. Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I was wrong on that. The 17, 15% of 17000 is about 2500 So you end up saving almost $1,900 in taxes.
0: Wow. And
1: and I see it. Go ahead.
0: A lot of people don't take advantage of this?
1: No, they don't. They just, they think they don't, they don't plan. They don't think it's ever going to be that important. But as you can imagine, if you have timber value, you better, you don't want to pay those taxes. You want to avoid those as long as possible. Now, if I back up a little bit, so what's your... So after you sell that timber and you decrease your basis in your uh, your timber on your balance sheet by 20, twelve thousand five hundred, your basis in your property that you once bought for a hundred grand is not a hundred grand anymore. Now it's eighty seven five. You have to decrease that twelve five in timber. Okay. So so let's say a handful of years down the road. Well, I don't. Uh, I guess let me. Uh, we'll stop right there. Um, so that's how that would be your new basis. You'd have a new basis of eighty-seven-five. And I think that's a good place to to stop for now. Before we get into the selling of land and having to pay tax okay. later so,
0: on. So is this is this uh, an official document when you set your basis on uh, uh, initially on the value of let's say timber or whatever it is on your property? Is this something that is an official document that you have to fill out and turn into somebody or you just have
1: to keep record of it? You just have to keep record of it. You don't, there's no form to file, but you want to keep record of it. You want to keep record of your appraisals of the cabin, of the, you know, stumped land, uh, the, the forester's appraisal of all your timber. You know, if you keep all that record, you have, you, you can, you have your evidence that says, this is what it's worth. So that's number one thing when it comes to taxes, whether we're talking hunting land owning a small business or just your personal finances, you got to keep good records.
0: Right. Right. So here's an, here's a question for you. Obviously trees mature and trees mm-hmm. grow and, um, you know, you, you dip into that, that basis, right? So you, you're not, you you save $1,900 on that initial, uh, timber harvest, uh, so mm-hmm. you don't have to pay certain taxes and then your, your basis goes down to match what you've taken out of that now. Correct. So what happens when you, you, know, 10 years later you can do, you know, your, your value of your land is maybe back up to, or the value of the timber because the timber has matured is back up to that. And do you need to, to get your, uh, a reevaluation
1: of your basis? No. See, uh, your basis is always going to be what you put in and what you take out. So even though the value of the trees increase, it's not, that's not going to change your basis. Your basis is going to be changed on what monies you invest into the property and what monies in the case of your timber, what you took out. Okay. So, but it is a good point because if you do a, a good select cut in 10 years, you theoretically should have close to the same amount of value. But then if you take your 25%, you know, now instead of taking, um, 25% of 50 in timber basis, you're taking 25% of 375. So you further lower that, um, timber basis Gotcha. over time. So
0: that's only so, good for a, a set amount of time. Let's say I own a piece of property for, uh, 50 years and after 30 years, yep. I've, I've used up that timber basis. I can no longer claim a tax benefit on that uh, if I'm. Hard. Yeah, is that right?
1: That's absolutely correct. Eventually, you would whittle it away to zero. But again, you are offsetting taxes as you do that. Instead of just paying a tax on that, you know, seventeen or twenty, thirty thousand dollar check every time you get it, you're saving at least a little bit of taxes on it. Gotcha. And that adds up over time. And I mean, I would rather hold my. Nineteen hundred bucks for ten years, and let the government hold it for that long. So, right. okay, so it it's
0: basically bal- all balancing out at the end, right?
1: Yeah, and that's a good point. We'll get to that when we talk about selling the land. It will all balance out. The guy that um, is paying the taxes up front, and the guy that's paying them at the end, essentially when he sells it, it does balance out, but. There's again ways to get rid right around that
0: yeah. when that time comes, so I want to uh, still talk a little bit about the the land owner, other than you know setting this basis. is there anything else that um a landowner can do uh, to save on property taxes or maybe um I don't know. Like, if you have to, you know, if you mow your property, or if you um, put in a, uh, you put in a road, or or a gate, or a fence, oh. are, is all of that stuff? Can that be a, a write off?
1: It can. I don't like the term write off, but it absolutely can be. The I don't. It it can be tax advantageous. We'll put it that way. Um, but you, you're absolutely right. There is a lot of things you can do now. Um, in terms of generating income or rent royalties, uh, whether there's ways to, I know Pennsylvania has, um, you can get your property taxes lowered by saying it's a farmstead and there's different rules you got to jump through, you know, there, that's all probably state individual or, you know, individual to each state, you'd have to probably talk to an expert in your area. Um, maybe some of you know, that owns land that has expertise in that. But you bring up a great point. What of the everyday things that I do, do I need to keep track of for taxes? And the word write offs are deductible. There's only going to be two things that I can ever think of, you know, where you're taking it every year and that's going to be your real estate taxes. You can deduct those on your personal return, just right right alongside your home ownership, property taxes They are also deductible. And the other thing is, if you get a loan to purchase the property to make this investment, uh, you can take the interest on that loan can be can possibly be deductible as an investment interest expense deduction. Gotcha. Um, now, if you're running an outfitter business or a hunting show, you know you, you probably get there's probably more things you can find on a year to year basis that's deductible. Um, obviously a lease, uh, an outfitting business, leasing hunts and stuff like that. You have a lot more um, expenses at your disposal. But for an everyday person, those are pretty much the only two things. But you did bring up a great point about, now those are year to year expenses I mentioned. You made a great point about a road, something that's going to increase the long-term value. Maybe you clear a ridgetop food plot or something like that. Those are not deductible as in you're going to take them on your tax return and write them off, but they do add to your basis. So if you make an improvement such as uh, maybe you have to put a new roof on your cabin, or like you said, put a road in. Yes, those can be, those can add to your basis. So when you sell it later on, you don't have to pay as much capital gains tax on your game.
0: So that takes the amount of, said project whether it's a road or improvements you know because and and for for the layman explain what capital gains is okay
1: so if if you buy this land for a 100 grand and you sell it for a 150 grand two years three years four years down the road you have a fifty thousand dollar gain so you're going to have to pay capital gains rates on that um the capital gain rate is lower than the income tax rate in most situations, depending on your income. But um, it's typically going to be 15% if you're a higher earner. It's going to be 20, and possibly at to 23.8. So, and if you're really low income and it's low enough, it could actually be zero. But probably most people, it's going to be right around 15%. Gotcha.
0: Okay. So when you so so that's capital gains. Now when when you're the owner and that road, you know, you put that road or that gate that improve, that, uh, improves the property, but it could also improve the value of the property. Yes. So how does that, how does that zero out or how does that benefit you in the capital gains well, side of thing?
1: Well, it would zero out when you sell it. So let's say, for example, let's say you put that road in and it, it costs $5,000. Um, it clearly, I think we'd all agree, it would increase the value of the land by at least $5,000. Just like a home improvement, a new kitchen might increase the value of your home by a little bit more than you actually paid for it. So, you know, if you bought this land for $100,000 and you put in a $5,000 road, you have a $105,000 basis. Now, let's say in five years, you were going to sell that land and you could have sold it for 120 dollars well, if you wouldn't have done the road, you would have a ten thousand dollar gain or twenty thousand dollar gain. I'm sorry, but if you do do the road now, the road instead of being worth one twenty, it's worth one thirty. So your gain will be twenty five, the one thirty minus the one oh five. So that's where it's going to get caught up later on. But technically, if you probably did it right away and say you put the five thousand dollar road in and then sold it, sold your land a month later and it only gave it five thousand dollars value probably ends up being a wash
0: yeah okay so that that you can think of any other tax taxes benefits that someone should think about as a landowner
1: i would say save so let's say you buy this land with a short term you know you want to flip it or something you only want to own it for five years and you want to you wanna to upgrade to a bigger piece of land. Um, let's say you buy a blind. I mean, they're so in right now, you, you drop three grand on one of these blinds. Um, uh, again, you're not gonna be able to write it off on your tax returns, but let's say when that day comes you're gonna sell it and, and the buyer says, Hey, I'll give you full asking price, but I want you to keep that blind here. Well, all of a sudden, that blind becomes part of your basis. So save your receipts on stuff like that. You know, you never know what they're going to ask you to include. Maybe a tractor.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So a lot of hunting equipment, you know, for the, the normal person that's not in the hunting industry, probably not going to be tax deductible. But there are probably those those blinds. I can definitely see that scenario play out.
0: Right. Okay. So what is it? I thought I heard somewhere where... You know I go to sell a piece of property and buy mm-hmm. a piece of property is there is there a tax type of uh shelter there to where I don't have to pay a taxes I can roll that money into the purchase of a new a new farm like I can do it one time or something like that
1: oh absolutely man i'm I'm pumping my fist. I'm glad you know about this. everybody needs to know about this. This is the biggest part of selling it's called the ten thirty one light kind exchange. And essentially what it is is you can avoid that built-in gain that you've appreciated in your property you own. When you go buy that next bigger one, as long as you buy a light kind property, which I think we'd all agree hunting land is hunting land, whether it's Iowa, Pennsylvania, you can roll that unrealized gain into the next property and keep your basis. So let's start with, um, kind of will take a step back and what would happen to that person that sold that land that we talked about um before they would have to pay the gain if you sold that land you'd have to pay the gain instantly if if you sold it for 120 and bought it for 110. If you do this light kind of exchange and let's say you did your timber where you, you took the timber and decreased your basis to 87,000. uh if you find a piece of property that Say it's a two hundred thousand dollars piece of property now, but it's five years down the road, and you're going to sell your property for one fifty. You did awesome on it; you uh, grew some big bucks. People are interested in your land. You sell it for one fifty. You have to come up with essentially fifty thousand dollars for this next piece. Agree? You essentially you just add that fifty to your eighty seven thousand dollars basis in the previous land, and all of a sudden your basis in your $200,000 piece of property is $137,000. So you just avoided paying that gain on that transaction. Okay.
0: All right. So there's no taxes. There's no taxes in, involved in in that transaction.
1: As long as it's all land, if, if you ever got in a situation where maybe, maybe, you know, the hunting blind was included, there might be a little tax on the blind because um, you're not allowed to use uh, you're only allowed to do this on a real property, which is essentially real estate. Um, but yeah, there would be no taxes in most cases. A situation where there could be taxes is if you actually maybe went to a smaller piece of property where you uh, sold yours for one fifty, but only went into a $100,000 property again. You would have to pay some tax on that difference. Gotcha. Okay.
0: And that can only be done... One time in your entire life, right? No, I, the way I
1: believe, it, I believe you can keep doing it.
0: You can just snowball. You could.
1: Oh yeah. You can do it your whole life. Just keep.
0: Well, maybe it's different in different states. I thought in, I think in Iowa and this, I'm not a hundred percent sure about, but I think in Iowa, you can do it one time. Uh, but, okay. but maybe I'm wrong. Um, so so now we, we're getting ready to, to sell the property, right? We've already talked a little bit about this. Uh, what what did you call that? A 13 what? It's a 1031. 1031. Okay. We talked about the 1031. Now, what about as far as selling your property? What are some things as far as taxes are concerned that we have to you know really pay attention to so we don't get screwed or we save?
1: well i mean i think at that point if if, if you're cashing out um you know make sure you, do, you i hope you have everything documented that that's always the best um you know you're going to get expenses your realtor fees are going to be deductible um closing costs stuff like that that's going to be deductible that's a selling expense um as long as you, i think is you have a professional preparing your return you should be okay they'll usually catch those things but at that point in time, you know you're kind of at the mercy of uh, the tax code in your other situation. There might it, when you're purely selling it, there might not be just a whole lot of things you can do. You can just um, you know you do have to pay the tax, but uh, hopefully you made some money and you live with it.
0: right okay and And then, if there are let's say taxes that have to be paid after the sale of the of the property uh anything that they need to worry about once that check comes in and maybe you made a profit or or for the most part have you covered that
1: yeah there's when you owe taxes they want you to pay in a certain amount um usually it's either 100 to 110 percent of your previous year's tax or 90% of what you're going to owe in this the, the year that you have to pay the tax on. So as long as you have paid in enough to cover your prior year's tax, at least 110% of it, you don't really have to pay in anything early uh, to avoid penalty. Now, if you don't do that, if you don't have enough paid in, uh, they can hit you with a little bit of penalty. It's called an estimated tax penalty. Uh, it happens. It's not a huge number. But, you you know, it can end up being a few hundred dollars, I gotcha. see that commonly.
0: Gotcha. Alright, now, the other thing that uh, I wanted to talk about here is, let's say a guy has owned land and it's been in his family for a hundred years or whatever. How do we get that to our children uh, or uh, other family members to the point where, you know, we can pay the least amount of taxes or save money there?
1: Well, this, this is really important. A lot of people don't understand this and then they don't seek professional advice until they actually already did the transaction. They tell their CPA, Hey, I sold my land to my boys or, you know, Oh man, it's definitely consult a professional beforehand. So let's, there's two different, I guess, three different areas we can go into, but first is gifting it. Let's say, you know, you have this land, you own it for 100 years, basis is like nothing. It's worth a ton of money. We all know somebody like that, right? If you gift something to your children, say, or anybody, they, while you get rid of your tax problem, you give them, you give them your tax problem. So if you have this huge unrealized gain, when you gift something, they inherit your basis. So now their basis is super low that's not ideal when you get these situations when you're getting up in age, you can't hunt anymore. That is from a tax standpoint, I definitely don't recommend that what you want to do is actually die owning it. Um, because what happens is when you die, the beneficiaries of your estate, they get your assets, they receive your assets. Their basis in those assets is fair market value. And the theory behind this is, is your estate would pay the tax on the assets. But for most people, that's not even an issue because the threshold to pay estate tax is $10 million. So as long as you have an estate less than 10 million bucks, you know, estate tax is not a worry. So think about that. You went from having super low basis, a big tax problem, you die, your kids inherit it. their basis is fair market value. They could turn around and sell it that day and not pay a diamond tax.
0: Okay. So, so it's better to, it's better to actually die owning the land and just make sure it's documented in a will that you want oh. and you, what you want done with it and who, who it goes to, right?
1: Yeah. For tax purposes. Absolutely. That is, I, that's, that's like the Holy grail. You just walked out of there. You know, you may be this land forever. You did all these basis tricks with the timber and, um, dang, you leave it to your kids. And even if they don't want to hunt, they can turn around and sell it the next day and they don't have to pay any tax. And
0: that's uh that's a good deal. Now, what about if the, um, like they, they, they inherit or they inherit it because of your death they don't have to pay any taxes on the gains that they make from that.
1: Well, so their basis would be whatever it is fair market value. So say your basis was nothing, but it's fair market value on your day of death was a hundred grand. Their basis would be a hundred grand. So then, if they owned it for another ten years and they sold it for one hundred and twenty, they would have to pay the gain on the difference between one hundred and twenty and one hundred.
0: Gotcha. But if they if they sold it, the only thing they have to make they only uh, that next day the only thing that they would have to pay is the income tax any any type of income tax no
1: no there would be none okay. no because let's let's assume the fair market value is a hundred they sell it the next day they're gonna sell it for a hundred because whatever right. you can sell it for the next day so their basis is a hundred they get a hundred grand and you walk away with a hundred thousand uh, dollars tax-free and, and essentially that's the same thing with if you had a hundred grand in your bank account um, there you don't. I guess on at least from federal speaking, every state has little inheritance taxes. I know Pennsylvania has a little one, um, but yeah, if you have less than ten million dollars of assets when you die, and, and you can even get that to twenty million with some tricks they do, um, you don't have to worry about inheriting something and in owing tax, or even the person dying having to pay tax on what they owe
0: man that's a that's pretty that's a big thing uh to know because if you try you know i mean it's it just saves you a ton of money
1: oh it it's and again people I, I see it happen quite often especially you know people maybe that have half million dollar properties uh, big you know chances are they're working with a professional they have money they're working with a professional on their taxes so it doesn't happen to them but People that have small chunks of land, you know, maybe only worth fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars $75,000. are they are not maybe using CPAs to per, prepare their everyday tax return. So they don't consult a professional, whether it be a CPA or a lawyer. And, yeah, they gift the kid to their – or gift the land to their kid. And all of a sudden, now the kid just has a really low basis in some hunting land.
0: Yeah. So what about – I don't know. Is this even legal to where – Let's say I had a, you know, I have a $100,000 farm and I say, well, I don't want it anymore because if I own it and I go into a nursing home, right, and, you know, like, because I know a lot of people where I've seen this happen, right, the the farmer will have a shit ton of land, um, but they have, let's say, like Parkinson's or they have some kind of disease where... Um, they may not be money in the bank rich, but they are land rich. So they can't afford to pay for the nursing home fees. So they, you know, they slowly start to have to sell off that land and get and get that because, let's say, like in the state of Iowa, if you can't afford it, they'll go after your assets, and then uh, then finally if all your assets are gone, then the state will pay for your nursing home. Right. Uh, in certain instances. Yep. So let's say I, 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 see, I see my, my kids see me that I'm sick. Right. And we want to try to, we still want the land in the family. We don't have to, we don't want to sell it. Uh, it's because we love the land. Can my kids buy that property for me for like a dollar? Um,
1: so, well, first, Yeah. So let's back up. You're, you're absolutely right. They have what they have. These, these states can come after your land, uh, nursing homes, whatever. They can come after your assets to fulfill your, uh, you know, medical bill. Right. So, and usually they have a clawback period. Every state's probably different. I I hear a lot of times it's five years. Um, so if you do that the next day, you get sick and you do it, you did something like that the day before, then, uh, Yes, they can come back and get your land. Um, so you'd probably have to check with a, like an estate planning attorney to figure out what the clawback period is. But to your point, can you sell it to them for a dollar? Yeah, you could. Technically, what would it be if it's worth a hundred grand? Well, let's just say bigger numbers because this, that's who's going to do this. Five hundred thousand dollars, and you sell it to them for fifty. Um, it's technically going to be you're going to sell it for fifty. And a $450,000 gift. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the IRS is, now again, you can make up to uh, $10 million in gifts in your lifetime. So it's not an issue there. The problem is your kids now have a piece of land with essentially a $50,000 basis. But maybe it's better to keep it in, if it's, you know, hey, my boy's a hunter. uh, His boy's going to be a hunter. We want to keep this forever. Then, yeah, it's worth it. Who cares what their basis is? Yeah. So, but yeah, a lot of times people set up trusts, you know, where uh, the land just goes into a trust and it'll stay there for, you know, however long the trust document says it's going to stay there, and then, um, then it maybe can go to the boys or your grandkids or. What about? Uh, yeah, that that's something. That, what what was a, that?
0: What about bankruptcy? Let's say a farmer, because uh, I've I've seen this happen in Iowa too, right? Where uh, a farmer. Goes and puts, you know, every every year he puts a ton of money into planning. And let's say drought or flood or something, and and I know there's there's crop insurance, but let's say something happens to where he he just goes upside down real fast uh, on a on a farm or cattle get sick and die, or so his his investment is squat and he has to file bankruptcy. Is there a way to protect your land uh, from getting basically repoed and
1: sold? I would say a farmer maybe would be tough, but I would probably say if it's part of your personal residence, uh, you know, if you buy a house with fifty acres on it, that might be safe. Um, I mean, consult your local attorney, but. I would believe that would be a situation where, because uh, usually they don't go after your personal residence. So I think that would be a situation that could work. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Yeah, just uh, you know, a guy like me trying to figure out all the loopholes. <laughs> I know you don't like the term <laughs> loophole, but uh, trying to figure <laughs> out all all that kind of stuff. Now, so in regards to handing land off to let's say children, how or mm-hmm. or family, how far does that go? Uh, let's say if I have a third cousin, you know, like a third or fourth cousin's second child type of scenario. Uh, can I, can I gift that person or do they have to be like blood relation?
1: No, I mean, you when you set up a will, I mean, you can give it to anybody. You can give it to charity. Um, yeah, it doesn't. The same with gifting, um, which is a little, gifting is more like when you're alive, you're allowed to give, Fourteen thousand dollars a year without reporting it to the IRS. If you give more than fourteen, you're required to fill, like, a gift tax return, which is not a really big deal because you're allowed to give up to ten million in your life. Um, but you got to document it. So if you start giving away more than fourteen thousand dollars a year, you got to file that return. So, but yeah, you can give it to anybody.
0: Gotcha. Okay, cool, man. Well, I think we I think we covered everything that uh, that you wanted or that you emailed me. Is there anything else? as far as a land owner or a land seller or, you know, someone who's getting ready to maybe, uh, give their land away that, uh, that we need to be aware of.
1: I think, I think we did a great job uh, covering it. I mean, people have questions. I recommend consulting, you know, talk to somebody, call a CPA. Uh, they can even email me, uh, you know, just ask questions, you know, a lot of CPAs, especially in small town America, they're not going to charge you to ask, answer an email. So ask questions, make sure what you're doing is is right because you don't want to get in a situation where you shoot first and ask questions later and you know the tax man's coming.
0: Right. Absolutely, man. Well, why don't you give everybody your email address so that if they do have any questions or concerns about maybe they're buying, selling property or you know tax time or whatever, uh, they can give you a call. For uh, email
1: yeah uh, my email is dan keller k-e-l-l-e-r jr just j-r though at gmail.com
0: dan keller jr at gmail.com yes sir all right man well dan i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and uh drop some knowledge bombs on us
1: <laughs> all right man it was uh, great to be on it was a pleasure talking to you and i wish you the best
0: And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another podcast in the books, man. I'm keeping this outro very short because it's a Friday and I'm going to go spend some time with the family. So first off, thank you to all the partners of the podcast and thank you to each and every one of you for tuning in and downloading. And if you're going to be in a tree, please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good weekend.